Astroholics. My name is Liz, and you're not watching Disney Channel. And we're back for another episode of Ad Aster. And Caroline will be introducing our episode topic for today. Yes. So hello, it's Caroline. And today it's time to talk about time. So we are going to delve into all sorts of concepts related to the passage of time, its representation in media and literature, our experiences of it as we come of age, perceptions of aging and double standards related to that, um, as well as how different emotional states and how love can affect our perception of time as well. And also time as a nonlinear concept, um, time as a constant, and time as a social construct. And also, like Caroline said, how love can affect time and even be a marker of it. Um, on that very um, existentialist mini quarter-life crisis note, out of curiosity, like when you think about time, like what sort of feelings like come to your mind? I'm kind of getting to a point where I'm trying to transition my mindset from trying to control time to like being more okay with letting time unfold and flow. Like I feel like for a long time it's been stress and like frustration, which I think is actually right now is a thing for me because time comes with a sense of inevitability. And like right now with for me, like college applications, it's like time is the force that is bringing that unwanted presence into my life but at the same time i think at the same time i think it also makes me think of opportunity especially when i think of the future and i think time can be like a motivating or hopeful force for me as well but what about you the pause was me processing the the gravitas of what you said and i think one felt two um I would say, yeah, actually, like, I think one of the reasons I started writing and because I saw a Tumblr post that sort of agreed with this, writing and art in general is our way of sort of being defiant when it comes to, you know, the ine inevitability of time because our art can outlive us and what's more powerful than that. And at the same time, it almost feels less enjoyable if I'm thinking of ways to sort of like outwin time or show. Like there's this quote by Albert Camus where he says, the literal meaning of life is whatever you're doing that prevents you from killing yourself. And while that sounds a little morbid, I think the meaning of life, the whole meaning of how we measure time is measured by purpose. And with purpose comes joy. and also joy is found in love. And so I think that is what makes time less terrifying. I think also like with the pandemic from, you know, like Zoom school, waking up at two in the afternoon and going to bed at like three, like messed with my like uh, circadian rhythm. There's a reason I'm not majoring in STEM. Um, and yeah, so one, that was like a little jambled. And then also it just... 2020 felt like 10 years and then every year that goes by kind of feels like like seconds long and I catch myself in the middle of a moment trying to savor it but then I realize there's no way to live an experience twice there's art but even that is sort of an imitation or at least a recollection and it's not the same as the the experience itself and so it's a tricky concept but 
I think the less we fear time and the more we sort of just embrace the impermanence of our lives, the more we can we can savor everything that happens without the fear of this expiration date or not being able to outlive time because it's always going to be there whether we're there or not. Very beautiful thoughts. And I think one of the things that I especially connected with was was just like the pandemic and how that distorted a lot of our experiences of time. I know for me, <laughs> I remember one day I went to bed at like 8 a.m., um, which was not Bro, that's <laughs> Caroline, I'm going to bonk you. <laughs> We do not endorse <laughs> violence on this podcast. I, I mean it out of love. Yeah, it was it was very interesting <laughs> when I would like be going to bed and then the bird would start chirping and I'm like, darn, I really need to go to bed earlier. <laughs> but I think for me, especially like the pandemic happened after my freshman year of high school. And I feel like during that time, I was kind of going through the motions of what I thought I should have been doing. And I was committed to a lot of activities that were meaningful, but not as meaningful as some of the things that I would later take on because I had more time thanks to the pandemic. And I think more broadly, just more time to reflect on what it really was that I wanted to do with my objectively limited time in the world and my objectively limited time in like this community, for example, because I eventually I'll probably leave for college and things like that. And I feel like our usage of time is already talked about a lot in like productivity videos and the whole industry around that. But I think there's a lot of value for, I don't want to say mindfulness because it, I feel like it's like overused at this point, but giving yourself time to process yourself as you exist right now in the world and not trying to think so deeply about a future version of yourself that you want to achieve or a mistake that your past self made. Um, I know for me, I I still deal with this, but like being fixated with a certain future vision of myself that I want to achieve and sometimes sacrificing like my present self's happiness or well-being for the sake of this glorified future happy me. <laughs> um, so I think for me, definitely taking walks was a big thing, big habit that I developed over the pandemic that allowed me to give that time to myself and kind of reclaim my time as something that I had autonomy over as opposed to like my schedules for soccer practice or orchestra that I used to feel so like chained in by. For me, the pandemic was a really valuable opportunity to realize what I wanted to prioritize because I do feel like there's not such a thing as not having the time to do something. It's just you will make time for the things that you prioritize. So it's really important to know what your priorities are and give yourself time to figure out what those priorities are for you. So I feel like that has also helped me with the experience of time and like the feeling that is slipping away between my fingers is knowing that I've put in the thought to ensure that what I do is something that I want to be prioritizing and that is meaningful to me and that, as Kami would say, would keep me from killing myself. Thank you for sharing that. I really resonated with the going on walks thing and like for me it's like riding my bike and doing like something physical because like I cannot sit still for a very long time. Go. Oh, this is going to sound so live, laugh, love, but like reconnecting with 
learning to love the soft animals of our bodies, like Mary Oliver writes in her poem, Wild Geese. Like, I think it's not about being complacent or, or not trying or not trying to make something meaningful of your life. But I think it's more so realizing that you are inherently here for a reason. The reason can start with being alive and being a human, being kind, a person who does things, who brings people together. And then also just succumbing to a power that is greater than yourself. And I'm not like talking about religion or, you know, extracurriculars, but nature, like something as simple as going on a walk. And obviously there are socioeconomic barriers. Some people have less time because they are in situations where they need to work more to provide for their families. Um, And so also like, I think time isn't linear and it's not experienced in the same way as everyone, even though there's 24 hours in a day, not everyone has the same 24 hours in a day. You know what else is more confusing and fun to write about than time? Love. It also sucks, especially when you have a crush on someone and it's an unrequited crush. And then you write poems about it and then you never get closure. And you're like, what did I do with like the past two weeks of my life? Hence time and love being inextricably linked. And also, um, I think it's interesting going back to the Albert Camus quote, or Camus, I don't know. I <laughs> the good thing I'm not majoring in classics in college. If I had a nickel for every time I mentioned my major, I'd have two nickels, which isn't a lot, but it's fun that it happens twice. Anyways, the literal meaning of life is whatever makes you not want to kill yourself. And whether it's healthy or not, sometimes love or or a crush, which you know is closer to infatuation it pacifies us and we're not as afraid of time anymore because we either wanted to speed up or slow down. So we can like speed up if you're waiting um, to go on a date with someone or slow down if you're in a relationship or you're on a date and it makes time move in a completely nonlinear way. Uh, It makes a nonlinear metric move in an even more nonlinear way. And I think it's kind of, exciting and also a little terrifying how much love it can affect the way that we process time. Absolutely. And I really resonate, like, even though I have had minimal romantic engagements in my life, um, I think even the idea of love or the idea of just having something, I don't know if pure is the right word, but very human I think the idea of that thing being out there in the future waiting for us is something that has helped me in many a difficult time. Um, And again, for me, it's mostly just the idea of a relationship or the projection of a relationship onto a person, Um, a crush, so to speak. But even if it's a little parasocial, (laughs) super healthy, Um, I blame it on my middle school I, I think it started in middle school with like tom holland but um oh, no andrew garfield all the way oh no 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 tom it's definitely tom i think we can have like a separate podcast episode about <laughs> andrew garfield and one about tom holland too but yeah i know for me as someone who 
kind of focuses probably more than a healthy amount on work and academics and professional success. I think having something that feels a little bit silly, that can feel just not so serious compared to all the other pressures we face in the world as young people, whether that's like your familial expectations, societal expectations, wanting to provide for your family or just wanting to like, I don't think there's such a thing as like making your time on this planet worth it because everyone by virtue of existing is adding value to this world and has a meaningful existence. But I know for like my personal personality type, um, having meaningful work is really important to me, but that can be a lot of pressure and it can be hard to deal with, especially if there aren't a lot of people in your life who you can like talk about that with. So I feel like crushes, they're cute and they're wholesome and uh, sometimes they kind of hurt a little bit at the end. Um, but at least while you're going through it, it can be something that when everything else feels dark and heavy and serious and scary, it can just be something to just a comforting thought even to look forward to or a person to see. <laughs> I've had so many crushes. I think I've had like a crush in 2022 alone, like over five. It's like, like that quote from Dead Poet Society, like, well, it's like a little different because this isn't about crushes specifically. It's more about like poetry, um, which I can, we can argue is like one expression of love, like one of the purest forms. And uh, it's what we stay alive for. Even though extracurriculars get us into college and college gets us into jobs and jobs keep the world running and innovation is important. So so is art and art is nourishment for the soul in a way that maybe other fields aren't. And that's sort of similar, but not entirely the same as having a crush, in my opinion. I feel like there's also this related concept of sharing your time with someone and the meaning that can bring to your life. And I don't know, I'm sure there's like lots of TED Talks that talk about this. I remember watching TED Talks where, where they say like at the end of a person's life when they do these studies with them, the thing that they talk about like remembering the most or like being remembered by other people for, it's rarely their work or their professional career. It's the relationships that they cultivated with the people around them. And I really like the idea of like sharing your time with someone as an act of love. And it can be platonic too. It can be like friendship is such an important force and Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, and I feel like it's <laughs> like comparable to, is it comparable or comparable? I don't know, um, but um, it can be One compared. of the two. <laughs> yeah, to the effect that romantic love and attraction has where it's this force that sustains us as human beings in a way that is like more essential, I feel, to like our existence than something more not artificial, but like he created less tangible. Humans. Yeah. Or more tangible, but less like this is going to sound so cheesy, but like love transcends and like it's, it's like magical and it's like hard to get your mind off of. I have like the opposite situation where I like never like people. Um, so it feels like a, a real anomaly when someone does pop up. For me, even just the idea of a relationship or like the idea that this could happen in the future is is a way that I feel like I keep myself sane and me too bestie 
Yeah. It's also a little bit like comforting almost to me because like with our professional careers or like where we want to go with our future and stuff, everyone's on such vastly different paths and different starting points, end points, like privileges and disadvantages and opportunities and everything like that. There are still privileges and disparities that exist within like love, but I feel like it's for each individual is something that we're all still capable of experiencing on a fundamental level and that all of us will probably struggle with quite a lot regardless of how like capable we seem in other areas of our life like love life is an area where i feel like everyone will flounder a bit at some point and i feel like that's almost comforting it's kind of like this string that can can connect people from very who are otherwise from very different lived experiences I love the word flounder because it makes me think of flounder with the little mermaid and like flounder is so cute. Anyway, longing for a future and sort of rem- like either mourning or celebrating a future that you're not sure exists or not. Um, Anamoya, which is n- nostalgia for a time you've never known. So it doesn't have to be the future, but it can also be the past. Um, something barely tied to, very heavily tied to love and how it sort of like breaks the laws of time. Like if there were. I mean, there are like physics, but there are like physics. I'm so, <laughs> I'm so eloquent. We don't mention physics in this in this podcast. We don't in this household. <laughs> this limit. This, this metaphysical household. This metaphysical household. Physics is not allowed. <laughs> We've been focusing on like the human experience of time, like our experiences of time. Do you want to like talk a bit about like? aging too and yes <laughs> let's do it <laughs> okay aging um so you know where there's time there's aging the way western culture views aging especially for women it's like you're expected to be a vampire but also to age gracefully but also to not show physical signs of aging um and also it's assumed that people who are old aren't as capable either physically or mentally of doing things. But I think like showing old joy and old love is so important because like there's a psychology today article, actually like negative attitudes about aging can decrease your physical and mental well-being when you're actually that age and vice versa. So it's really important to have a grounded mindset when you think of aging. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I think it's also really interesting to think about the cultural differences in our perceptions of the elderly and also how I think globalization and hypercapitalism is a force like increasingly common across the world is also affecting that perception. Like as an example in like China and Korea um, and in a lot of Confucian cultures, they're cultures rooted in Confucianism. They're is a level of respect for the elderly and their wisdom that is expected to be held by all members of society. And traditionally, multi-generational households were the norm. And when kids went to college and then grew up and got a job, they were expected to eventually have their parents move in with them and kind of serve as their parents' caretakers. Whereas now, because of some of the pressures of the work culture there and the amount of energy and time that it takes again time uh, that it takes to pursue a job there as well as the increasing costs of living for like any person that dynamic is increasingly like being disrupted we're also seeing like rising rates of elderly poverty it is 
very important to the dignity of aging and like the dignity that we give to elderly people should be the same as any other member of society. I also agree with like respecting people who are elderly, not for this, not solely because they are old. Like this is like prevalent in immigrant cultures and as the children of immigrants, like to respect um, your elders and provide for them. But also part of treating them equally is realizing that if they say something ignorant or if they do something that hurts you, you shouldn't tolerate it simply because they're older. If someone disrespects you, then you have a right to feel hurt and you have a right to either leave that situation or to respond in your own way. And so I feel like age doesn't absolve you from being a moral person or a kind person or a person who is responsible. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that also kind of points to the importance of intergenerational interaction, for lack of a better word. To me, it feels like there's such like stark generational divides in our like cultural norms and understandings of what the world is today that I feel like if it was more normalized for us to have opportunities like as young people, for example, to interact with elderly people, not for the sake of being a young person and an old person having a conversation, but just as like a more normalized aspect of society, I feel like that would also help with those issues. But also clearly having like older people in power doesn't necessarily correlate or cause or correspond with improved quality of life for actual elderly people in a nation. So I think that also points to the importance of having younger people and just a diversity of perspectives in general who are running an entire country or just contributing the perspectives to anything. I think age is something that is oftentimes not considered enough as an important aspect of diversity. On that note, there's just so much literature around time. Like one of my favorites is this poem called Monday by Alex Dimitrov. There's probably like a bunch of like articulately worded video essays or real essays, but individualism can be toxic in terms of like how isolating it can be and sort of feeling like you are both impervious and the most susceptible person to time when really it's sort of just there and it's it's up to us how we interpret it um and don't celebrate ourselves enough for thriving and living a life beyond existence and even that is hard and like alex dimitrov writes everyone truly deserves a flutter of champagne for having made it this far which is just really heartwarming and obviously like it doesn't have to be champagne but like i like the the emphasis on joy and i think that's something that is important to associate with time in addition to like aging and impermanence and stuff like that such a wealth of good literature that ties to time frankly time as a concept probably shows up in all of them but one of my favorites where time is a very prominent aspect of the storyline is the novel little gods by meng jin and it's about a mother who is also a brilliant physicist and a lot of her work revolves around time as a fourth dimension and the conception that time could uh, 
travel in both present and past directions. And it also not only like in that literal sense connects the time, but also in the storyline itself, we see both the world as it's experienced by this mother when she was growing up in China and also through the lens of her daughter who was born in America and who feels like the past is kind of this hole that she needs to fill. And I just really love the entire book for, for one, making physics seem less like disgusting, <laughs> more palatable. Physics <laughs> <laughs> majors listening to the chat be like side eye emoji. <laughs> Uh, but also it's just brilliantly told and would recommend to everyone. <laughs> Speaking of literature that relates to time, maybe you should contribute to that. Oeuvre. 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 I took Ew. French. I know. <laughs> maybe you should just say collection. If you want to contribute to the collection of literature in the world that relates to time, we especially encourage you to submit to Issue seven, so ridiculous that it's issue seven. That's crazy. Um, but issue seven of Astrolit, the theme of which is remembrance. And although we've kind of talked a lot about like the future and like the present, the past is also in a crucial. The past is far it. behind us. The future doesn't <laughs> exist. <laughs> you know, don't don't hug me. I'm scared. <laughs> oh. Whatever you think of time. <laughs> Time is a something that's on a wall. The past is far behind us. The future doesn't exist. <laughs> Clearly, many sorts sources of inspiration we can take as we as we write pieces about remembrance. And I feel like I still think nostalgia and the way we connect with the past, whether that's our heritage or our past memories or like our senses of animalia and ideas of a past and what could have been. And also just how memory shapes our experience of time and how, I don't know, I think it's, don't hug me, I'm scared has a point. Like, I don't think the past, we can, can we really prove the past to exist or does it really just exist as it is in our memories, which is kind of interesting. But anyways, lots of cool ideas related to remembrance. Um, hopefully you consider submitting some pieces about it too. Thank you for listening to this episode of Ad Aster and giving us your time. Wink, wink. See you next time. Wink, wink. Okay. <laughs>